Today I invite you to take your Bibles and join with me as we read through the Gospel of Matthew. We continue today to read through this Gospel till Easter. We started last Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, we began in chapter 1, and of all things, verse 1, and the genealogy of Jesus that fulfilled the promise of Abraham through the history of Israel, the deployments uh, of King David, and then the deployment to, or deportment, I should say, to Babylon, and Babylon back to where Jesus was born in uh, Bethlehem. Today we move on to speak about a particular person named John the Baptist. And Baptist is not a denomination like Baptists are today. That name Baptist really means baptizer. John was a prophet who baptized people. Now in the days of our Lord, you could be baptized for many things. Uh, they would dig a hole, they would put you down in that hole, and in the name of some uh, false god, they would slay an animal, and that animal's blood would, be, would drain over you. You would be immersed in that animal's blood, and that was considered baptism, or to be baptized. However you look at it, even going down into the water, like us modern Baptists, you go down into the water and you come back up, baptize means immerse. Literally, it means to dunk. Think about that a minute. Can you imagine if we were the Ekron Dunker Church? More people would come because they think we're selling Dunkin' Donuts, I guess, or giving Dunkin' Donuts away. But literally, that's what it means. And so we have this prophet who originated in the desert. He's odd-looking because he is wearing a coat of camel's hair, a cloak, a kind of leather camel's hair. And he probably didn't get a haircut at the barbershop for $6, like I do. Instead, he let his hair grow, I'm sure. Not a lot of places to bathe out there, so I'm sure he didn't smell very well. In fact, uh, he may have been kind of like a friend of mine. You ever had anybody in your family that was real rough and tough on the outside? But on the inside, they were a different character altogether. They were just a real kind and compassionate fellow. We had a visitor come from Louisiana, from the area where I used to preach down there. And they came to the quartet convention here in Louisville. And he is an oil driller type guy. Now, you're a guy, man. You're a man's man when you're out there on the North Sea, you know, for 24 days straight. And the wind's blowing and it's cold and it's just frigid temperatures on the North Sea. You got to be tough. You got to be tough in your words. You got to be tough in your attitude. And your skin's got to be real tough, too. And he did that until he retired. And they came to Louisville, and uh, we introduced him to some Louisville friends. And after they left, he gave him the nickname, Rough and Ready. Rough and Ready. You may have had a Rough and Ready in your life, but maybe there was a Rough and Ready on the outside that spoke the words of God to you on the inside. When I was ill in the hospital, a friend of mine from the Air National Guard would offer to come to the hospital room, and I thought, oh, no, he doesn't need to come. He's just, I love him, but I don't need him right now while I'm in rehab. He came anyway. And when he got to the room, 
uh, he was a short-spoken kind of fellow, worked in maintenance in the Air National Guard. His name is Tommy. Tommy stayed with me, and he said, what would you really like to have to eat? Because, you know, the food in the hospital is not always the best. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll show my cards. I'll let him inside my space. I said, Tommy, I'd really like to have a Burger King hamburger. Be right back, he said. <laughs> Wasn't long he returned with uh, a big uh, with a, 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 a Whopper and French fries. And folks, of all things, you know the little children's Burger King uh, king hat they have? Little, little gold thing? Well, he brought that too. And he said, here, this is for you to wear. And he put it on my head. And so I had a little children's gold-colored king crown on my head. And I, I'm, now I'm in my wheelchair, and I'm going to the next workout station with it. And my health care giver, I uh, can't remember his name, I think it's David, was with me. I said, okay, we've got to take a picture of this. And I've got a picture of me in a wheelchair with a Burger King hat on and my, my real helper friend, uh, the therapist. People that seem to be rough on the outside can really bring a word of the Lord to you on the inside. And since that day, Tommy and I call each other regularly. He's on a journey now with uh, cancer. He has had several surgeries. It's in his bone. He has lesions. And he does not have long to live. Folks, God uses all kinds of rough and ready people to bring a word of the Lord to us, doesn't he? And so he is John the Baptist. Today we're going to read verses 1 to 3 and then verse 11. Verses 4 to verse 10 describes who John is and what he wore, kind of as I described to you there. Would you, <clears throat> would you follow along with me as I read? Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this opportunity to preach the Word of God. Lord, so sometimes we're sweet and wonderful and mean on the inside, and sometimes we're rough on the outside and bring a word from the Lord to other people on the inside. And my prayer today, Lord, is that we will hear a fresh word from you. Not a cute, sweet story and humorous from Brother Tom, but a word from the Lord. A word that will bring challenge, a word that will bring hope, a word that will prepare the way for the coming of the Christ King in our journey in this Advent season. I pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. You remember that Matthew's gospel is all about King Jesus, right? You remember those words we used last time? Well, John the Baptist is going to speak now, and he's introduced here in chapter 3. He doesn't stay long on the scene, but he's going to introduce to us Jesus. Now, in those days, John the baptizer came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, when you're in the wilderness, of course, you're not in town. You're far from town. But there's something about his message that drew the people who needed hope. There were people in the city of Jerusalem that were overlooked by the religious leaders. No, 
More than that, they were shunned by the religious leaders. They were the blind. They were the folks who couldn't walk, the lame. They were the marginalized, like lepers. They were those who had been abused as children, those who had been abused as adults, those who had little or nothing to eat. These were the poorest of the poor in Jerusalem. And the religious Pharisees would have nothing to do with them because they were considered what? Unclean. Don't touch our spotless robes. Don't even get close to us men of God because we are holy and you all are unclean. You are not fit to worship God. And when the poorest of the poor came to bring their humble little offering, maybe a turtle dove, they would come to the temple grounds, not allowed inside, but on the outside there would be the exchange tables. And at these exchange tables, whatever meager sacrifice or imperfect lamb or imperfect dove that they could offer to God might have been their very best. But it was not suitable for the priests, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. Pharisees and Sadducees really didn't get along with each other. Pharisees believed there was a resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe there was a resurrection. So they were sad, you see. Sadducees. So here they are on the temple grounds, and there are these appointed tables. And in order to have a worthwhile offering for the priest in the temple, for a little bit more money, just a little bit more money, you could exchange your unworthy poor offering. We just happen to have a perfect dove here for you. We just happen to have a perfect lamb over here for you. And if you'll just pay us a little more, you'll have something worthy to offer to the Lord. Folks, these religious leaders were making a killing by killing the hearts of the poor, the needy, the blind, the lame, the marginalized. And when Jesus come, came, who John was predicting to come, he said, I have come to set the prisoner free and the poor. I've come for the least of these. And he read from the scriptures and he said, The day of the Lord in Luke, this day that prophesies of the coming Messiah, has been fulfilled in your presence. The role of John the Baptist was to, was to grease the skids. You ever heard that phrase? Prepare the way, grease the skids. When Mindy was in the hospital the other night, I called the chaplain at the Norton Brownsboro and I said, Carrie, I need you to grease the skids so I can get in. I don't know what COVID limitations are at this time, but can you prepare the way for me? Can you grease the skids for me? I'll take care of that. He made a phone call, and when I finally showed up uh, at, with the security guards at the hospital, they said, just go right on up to the third floor. I got where I was going because someone else prepared the way for, uh, for me. Jesus was able to m make his introduction to the crowds and the poorest of the poor because John prepared the way. And he was called John the Baptizer 
because he was calling on people to repent of their sin. He wasn't asking them to believe in Jesus. He said, there's one coming after me that's greater than me. But for right now, you who are poor and lame and blind or anybody in town, if you will just confess your sins and repent, I'll be willing to baptize you. Dunk, immerse, whatever form he used in the Jordan River. I've never been to the Jordan River. But it's not very deep in some places, and in other places it is deep enough to actually baptize folks. Now in those days, Matthew said, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All through Matthew, we're going to see Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Let me pause here and remind you that prophets in the Old Testament days were not well received. In fact, Jesus said, God has sent to you prophet after prophet after prophet, and you killed them. Same thing is going on here with John and the Pharisees. They're trying to find a way to get rid of John, and they can't do it. Because the peer pressure from the crowd that they're trying to milk and profit from, not P-R-O-P-H-E-T, but P-R-O-F-I-T, they're trying to profit from the poor. They're in co- now they're finding competition in John because the Pharisees are less prosperous and less uh, uh, public and, and uh, in favor with the people, and John the Baptist is getting attention. They're teaching misinformation. John the Baptist is teaching the truth. And John the Baptist is introducing the truth in flesh. The Son of God, Emmanuel, Jesus the Christ. Read along with me now in verse 11. John said, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier, more powerful than I. And I'm not worthy, I'm not fit to remove even the sandals from his shoes. Folks, that's what slaves did when guests came to their home. It was a slave that removed the sandal and it was a slave that washed the feet of the guest that came into your home. He said, this guest that's coming next, Jesus the Christ, he will baptize you too, not with water, but with what? The Holy Ghost. Now here's the Baptocostal coming out with me because I grew up with Pentecostals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Fire. When God lives in you through the Holy Spirit, that's your experience of spiritual baptism. The Bible says God is like a raging fire. No man has ever seen Him, and if you get too close, you'll evaporate and burn up. But this God whose blaze is before us, as as introduced in the Bible days, the blaze has been cooled so that we can have a gentle, personal whispering daily conversation with God through His Holy Spirit. Now because Jesus lives in us as we trust and believe in Him, 
we can have a daily walk and conversation with holy God himself, Jesus Christ. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit that blazes our sins away when we believe in Jesus, and it is the gentle counsel of the Holy Spirit that comforts us, challenges us, guards us, guides us. He's in front of us to prepare the way. He's beside us to be our paraclete, to walk along beside us. That's what the word Holy Spirit is, a paraclete. And he's also behind us saying, you can't go back. Ekron Baptist Church, we can't go back. I keep hearing, why can't we go back to, uh? Why can't we go back to, uh? Why can't we, do, no? We cannot go back. Looking to the past and the regrets and what it used to be, hear me, hear me, hear me. Looking to the past and regrets and what it used to be and how it used to be and however you used to be and focusing upon that, you know what that really is? That's your block of telling no to God that you, you don't want to go forward. God doesn't lead us backwards in the wilderness of this journey. We must go forward. And with COVID around, we go forward, we thought, Darrell came one time to give us a post-pandemic post presentation, and the pandemic continues. But God is with us. God is with us. You will hear me say, hopefully going forward, the phrase, going forward. Let's talk about two things that John the Baptist did for us. Number one, John prepared the way for Christ the King to come. The King is coming, he said. It's time to repent. That means to die to self and have authentic, genuine, trusting faith in Jesus Christ. His way of preaching reminded you of Amos. Amos was that prophet in the Old Testament that spoke like a judge with a, with a gavel. Guilty, he said, Amos, as he preached to the people of Israel, you need to repent. Thus says the Lord, said the preacher Amos, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not provoke your punishment because, why? You sell, uh, they sell righteous for silver, the needy for a pair of sandals, they who trample on the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way, father and son, go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. That's kind of like John the Baptist preached, isn't it? And concerning worship, Amos would say, I will not listen to the melody of your harps, speaking for God. I don't want to hear your music. I don't want to hear your choirs. I don't want to hear your praise band. I don't want to hear your trumpets. I don't want to hear what you've got to offer. It ain't about you, though you think it is. He said, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Martin Luther King was here. He preached that message over and over again, and I can hear his voice now. Let righteousness flow like an ever-flowing stream. Let justice roll down like rivers of waters. Prophets don't last very long. 
John the Baptist didn't last very long when he started preaching like that. Amos didn't last very long. I remember the story of an Old Testament professor at Southern Seminary. His name was Clyde Francisco. Dr. Clyde Francisco taught well, this kind of life. He taught real fast. He taught, kind of taught like that. And he taught a course in the book of Exodus. And he kept telling the students all about Amos and Moses and all those characters. And one of the students came up to him after class and said, Oh, Dr. Francisco, he said, I have, I'm now the pastor of a church in the countryside. It's about 30 miles from town. How should I preach? Oh, well, son, he said, I, if I were you, I'd go out there and preach like Amos. Because he was an Old Testament professor. He knew the Old Testament way. Well, about six, eight months later, the young pastor found Dr. Francisco, and he was so grieved and so sad. And, and he said, Dr. Francisco, you told me to go out there and preach like Amos. And he said, I didn't last but six months at that church. Hey, well, son, he said, that's what happened to Amos. <laughs> I ask myself as your pastor sometimes, am I a prophet to the church? Or am I profiting from the church? I, ask you, I invite you to ask yourself that same question. Are we speaking a word from the Lord by being a prophet to the church? Or in some way are we profiting for ourselves by being here? John the Baptist came from the wilderness. He was preaching, the king is coming. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. We might call that an accurate self-awareness today. And yet Jesus said, John thought he was worth nothing. And Jesus said, you're the greatest man living today or will ever live in the kingdom of God. Folks, a healthy self-awareness starts by recognizing that I'm a sinner. And I'm saved by the blood of Jesus, which is the grace of God. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, reenacted when I'm immersed and I'm baptized. I walk every day under the mercy of God, which is fresh every morning. Jesus is with me through the Holy Spirit. And when I'm obedient to Jesus, and only when I'm obedient to see my cross, only when I'm obedient to Jesus and go where He goes, I am the happiest person in the world. And if you're not happy today... Ask yourself, am I following Jesus or am I profiting from Jesus and his church? John came to proclaim repentance and Jesus came to proclaim salvation. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He who believes in me will never die. I am the way. I am the truth, I am the life. The second point I want to work on this morning is called John the Baptist preached repentance and baptism for one purpose. He had a mission statement for his whole life and that was to prepare the way for Jesus. What's your mission statement, John? Well, I'm here to prepare the way for Jesus and just tell the truth no matter how long I live or what it costs me. Well, you know, you know, John, prophets don't last very long. Are you willing, to, you willing to have your head cut off, John? Well, you and I know he eventually did. 
I'd like to ask John the Baptist today, was it worth it? John the Baptist, was it worth all the ridicule you had from um, the Pharisees and the scribes and all those people? John, was it, was it worth it to lose your head while you were in prison because the king's daughter danced at the king's banquet and they asked her what she wanted and she mother said, Tell him the head of John the Baptist. And the king, in front of all his friends at the banquet, couldn't... He liked John. He, he kind of liked John having, having him around. He learned from John. But to honor his word that could not be changed, he had John beheaded while John was in prison. I would ask John today, is it worth it? Was it worth it? I want to introduce to you today a modern John the Baptist. Anybody know who this lady is? Who is it? Talk to me, people. Who is this? This is a life-size cutout of Lottie Moon. Four foot, three inches tall. She's a powerful woman, Mark. She was born of aristocratic family that owned a plantation in Virginia. Virginia. She's one of the of many other siblings, but uh, being that short, she had an attitude. Uh, you might say she was precocious. And she didn't take no for an answer. And she went on to get her college education. Lottie went on to start a woman's seminary in, uh, I believe, South Carolina or Georgia. A woman's seminary in the 1870s was never heard of. Women in ministry before the, you know, 1990s was just never heard of. But she did that. She felt a call to missions to go to where? China. All right, students, where are you? Students, students, look at me. Do any of you have a cell phone? I, 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 need, your, I need your help if you have a cell phone. Raise your hand if you have a cell phone with you. All right, look up Tong Jung, Tung Jung, T-U-N-S-U-N-G, China. Tung Jung, China. There's a prize for you. If you can tell us the modern day name of Tung Jung, China. Does anybody know the modern name of Tung Jung, China? She was assigned by them, Southern Baptist Foreign Mission Board, after she twisted the nose and turned the ears of all the trustees at the mission board for Southern Baptists because, number one, they didn't send women, single women, to the mission field. They sent couples. They didn't send singles. And she said, God's called me. You're going to send me. And she just kept twisting their ears, and she changed their minds. And they began to see, as God was seeing the big picture, of sending missionaries to China. In fact, in those days, many would say, if God wants the Chinese to be saved, he'll save them. We don't have to send them, anybody there. She almost married a seminary professor when the seminary was in South Carolina, but that didn't work out. And after reading her personality, I can understand why. Did you find Tongshun, China? All right, I'll help you out. The modern-day town of Tongshu, China, 
is now the capital of China. And the capital of China is, who knows it, say it loud, Beijing, there you go, give Aiden a big hand there, buddy, way to go, Aiden. Now Lottie would travel from Virginia all the way to China, and it took her weeks to get there. And she went to what is now modern-day uh, Beijing, and she mailed some letters back to the women of Southern Baptist. I'm going to read you one of those letters. If John the Baptist were in the pulpit preaching, you would all leave town, and you couldn't stand it. If Lottie Moon were here preaching, which she did on, on occasion, uh, a lot of people were very highly challenged. She would write, how, how, many, how many there are who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing. Forgetting that the prime object of their salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus in bringing back a lost world to God. 1887, Tongchao, China. Further in that letter, she says, Until the women of Southern Baptist churches, and I would say this applies to men, to the women of Southern Baptist churches, until they are thoroughly aroused, we, the missionaries, shall continue to go in our present hand-to-mouth system. We shall continue to see mission stations so poorly manned that missionaries break down from overwork, loneliness, and isolation. John was in the desert. Lottie Moon was too. We shall continue to see promising mission fields unentered and old stations languishing. We shall continue to see other denominations, particularly the Methodists, they took better care of their missionaries than Southern Baptists, who are no richer and no better educated than ours, outstrip us in this race. I wonder, she said, how many of us really believe that it is more blessed to give than receive. A woman who accepts this statement of our Lord Jesus Christ as a fact and not as impractical idealism will make giving a principle of her life. She will lay aside sacredly not less than one-tenth of her income or her earnings as the Lord's money, which she would no more dare to touch for personal use than she would steal. How many there are among our women, alas, alas, who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing, forgetting that the prime object of our salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus, bringing back a lost world to God. And so in bringing the answer to the petition of our Lord, taught his disciples, thy kingdom come. My response to her letter is this. Ekron Baptist Church is not trying to raise money for missions through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We're not trying to raise money for missions in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We are not about raising money for missions in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Why do we have this offering and why do we do it? 
what's the purpose of our church. We are raising disciples dedicated to the mission of Christ. And until you learn to give, you will never be a disciple. I finish with this zinger. I've come to learn that which we give for the gospel is eternal. But many of the things we give each other under the Christmas tree will fade away. May we be faithful disciples and ask ourselves, how will we be more of a disciple like Jesus, more faithful like Lottie Moon, even more faithful like John the Baptist and take all the risk and be all in for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads together? With every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you today need to profess your faith in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And this is your opportunity to come as we sing this song in a minute to demonstrate to the world that you're not ashamed of Jesus, but you're ready to follow him now as a disciple of the Lord. But you must begin by making a public profession of your faith. And that means you come down this aisle and you sit here on the front row and we'll counsel and pray with you about inviting Jesus into your heart and forgive you of sin and be your Savior and your Lord. Another invitation today is for some of you who are members of a sister church and we open the doors of our church to you who desire to be a journey with us in making disciples who are dedicated to Jesus and willing to give all of our heart and ourselves to follow Christ. Some of you where you sit, you may want to make some decision about your relationship to the Lord. Some of you may just want to come up here and pray and kneel. However you want to respond, that's up to you. Father, through your Holy Spirit, have your way in this invitation. And Jesus, you be honored and you be glorified. We praise your name, Lord, for this word from you. Now may your will be done as we sing this next song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church. 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.